does help if we turn it on. Tip number one. So welcome to Valor Vineyard, I'm Viv, and uh, we've been going through the Alpha course over the last, uh, we're on, we've just kind of done two weeks so far, and we've been doing it in small groups, and we're doing the Alpha film series, which has been incredible actually, it's been really high quality production, and we've really enjoyed it. And one of the things we asked this week was, who is Jesus? And we looked at the historical figure of Jesus, and just some of the facts around who he was as a man, and was he real, was he a myth, was he the son of God, was he some nutter, as one I was talking about, was he uh, just a good man, and what we're doing on the Sundays is we're then going a little bit deeper into uh, that subject that we've looked at during the week, so we're talking about who is Jesus, and what I wanted to do today was to look at at, at, a, at a Bible story and, and who they thought Jesus was to them at that time. And so I'm going to read from Luke chapter 7. We're going to hopefully have some words coming up on the screen. If you want to follow up on your phone or Bibles at the back, please feel free as well. So it's Luke chapter 7. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man was a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus asked him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of God. It's absolutely true and it's given to us in love. So Steve and I celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary this week. Woo! Uh, we went to Barcelona for a couple of um, nights as well, which was amazing. And uh, we were talking about this over our Alpha meal on Tuesday, and one of the guests said to us, so what, what are the top tips for being married for this long? And uh, Steve, actually, said, um, I think forgiveness. <laughs> which, for, for me, is actually really true, and whether it's the big things or the small things, but forgiveness... Um, and unforgiveness, it definitely kind of builds up walls between you, doesn't it? If you kind of have things that you uh, resent about each other or kind of build up, it kind of builds these walls up between you. 
forgiveness just lets the walls down and enables you to love again. And it's and receiving forgiveness too. So if you've done if you know that you've done something wrong and you know that you shouldn't really be forgiven, it's easy to carry around that shame with you and that builds up walls as well between you. So I, I thought that was actually a very good top tip, forgiveness. And that's the kind of thing I wanted to talk about today. And I want to, to set up this talk, I want you to use your imagination for a little bit, and I want you to imagine uh, a woman who lives in the Middle East, and in a very small town, in a very religious, highly conservative cultural context. Uh, she's known, she's notoriously known as a sort of sinful woman, maybe she's been sleeping around, maybe she's a stripper or a prostitute, or, and imagine that she's known as an unclean, degraded woman. And imagine that she's surrounded with religious men who condemn her and shame her and despise her. So now take that woman and move it back historically 2,000 years. So if you think it would be difficult for her today, move it back 2,000 years ago, when a woman couldn't vote, couldn't own property, couldn't testify in open court, was sometimes considered the property of her husband or her father. And imagine what her life would have been like. Damaged, broken, brutal, used by men, her reputation, kind of the things that people spoke about her whenever she walked around. So that's the woman we meet today in Luke 7. And the story begins like this. And if we can have the words up. When one of the Pharisees, one of the religious guys, invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. And Jesus, we see all throughout the, um, the Bible, Jesus would often eat dinner with notorious sinners and thieves and drunkards and gluttons. And uh, he wanted to spend time with them. And the religious people always condemned him for wanting to spend time with them. And he used to, they used to kind of say that you were just like one of them. But Jesus does spend time with religious people as well. And uh, one of these leading Pharisees, maybe the equivalent of an elder or a deacon in the community or some community group leader, perhaps, he invites Jesus over for a meal. And I would imagine this would have been a closed-door, private event in a home. We don't know why, maybe he wants to interrogate Jesus, or maybe he wants to find out, ask about him in private. And so Jesus accepts that offer. And the way the meal would have worked was, was like this. Unlike our dining, you know, imagine our dining tables and we all sit around. This wasn't like that. They, they would have had a low dining table very low, and then had loads of pillows or cushions uh, surrounding it, and they'd, they'd kind of lean on the cushions, um, lean on one arm, and, and the, the conversation would be very relaxed, it would have been all about um, relaxing together, eating together, it would have taken loads of time, and the, the men's feet would have kind of been behind them. Can you imagine that? So you're kind of resting on your feet and you're left handed. Not like that, but. And uh, women didn't participate in these kind of theological discussions. They weren't invited. They weren't invited to these kind of meals. So here's this woman, and she's a sinner. Her reputation negatively goes before her. And most commentators believe that she was a prostitute at that time. 
Um, and whatever, I mean, whatever the case, her reputation was really damaged and destroyed, and she's just considered uh, low life and like, really dirty and defiled. And so she hears that Jesus is at this man's house, and so she does the unthinkable. It was so unthinkable in these days. So she goes and gets her alabaster flask of perfume. And many women uh, of those times had these alabastrons. They were tiny bottles made of clay or alabaster. And it's estimated that this woman's um, jar was worth about 500 denarii, or about a year's worth of wages. So it's, I mean, I, I like expensive perfume, but that is insane. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely insane, isn't it? A whole year's worth. <laughs> um, so she has her jar, and, and also, you would imagine as well that... Um, if she's been a prostitute, that this is probably her savings, this jar. This is probably, she's probably uh, gathered all kinds of money from her work. And this is, this, is her, this is her life, this is her savings, this is her future. So she takes it, takes it to this house. And I'm assuming she's quite nervous. She's probably not wanting to get eye contact with anybody. And she walks into this room filled with men. And sort of quote-unquote holy men, devout men, religious men, and they all know her. They know her reputation. And she walks into their meal, uninvited, and you just, you just don't do that in this culture. So the men would have probably stopped their conversation, probably been a bit awkward, like, what's going on here? And they see her coming, they smell the perfume probably, might have well been used the perfume, she could have used that to entice the men in the, in the, in the past. So she goes in and, and it says here, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. So she notices that Jesus' feet are dirty. Uh, it was customary when a guest entered your home, you would have a servant or a slave that would wash your feet. And at the very least, you, you would provide a basin of water so your guests could do it themselves. And if you imagine back in, the, back in those days, there was sort of uh, open-toed sandals or they just walked around bare feet and the roads were dusty, you shared it with animals. I can only imagine what you were treading in as you walked along the streets. And so, and, and again, you're reclining at this table, your feet are out. And uh, so it wasn't polite to have dirty feet at the table. For some reason, I don't know quite why, they hadn't provided this for Jesus. And the, the cultural and religious traditions also at this time, they, they forbid a woman touching a man like this in any way. And uh, she goes to wash Jesus' feet. And at that moment, something happens, I think, that she possibly wasn't anticipating. And that is that she's overcome with a conscious awareness of her own sinfulness. And it's true, I think it's as true for her as it is for us that the closer we get to Jesus, the more sinful we recognise ourselves as being, the more we kind of realise how unclean we almost are. And she just begins to weep, weep bitterly. And some, you know, some people are criers more than others. I'm not looking at you anyone, Steve. <laughs> and, uh, but these tears, <laughs> these tears come out of her heart. This is cleansing for her soul. This is an act of repentance. And 
it's almost like she's saying publicly, yes, I'm a single woman, and I have deep regret for the life that I've lived. And she's just bawling. She's, she's just bawling. Her eyes are filled with so many tears. And there's so much water flowing out of her, out of her eyes that it wets Jesus' feet sufficiently to clean them. That's a lot of tears. That's a lot of tears. And I'm not sure she knew she would become so emotional. She, she may have bought a towel if she knew she was going to become so emotional. But she didn't, she didn't have a towel to dry Jesus' feet, and so she, she used her hair. She let her long hair down. And, and again, in that culture, if a woman let her hair down in the sight of a man, or in the sight of any man other than her husband, it was grounds for divorce. And so some rabbis taught that a woman letting her hair down in front of another man was the same as being topless. That's how shocking it was. And uh, so culturally speaking, again, this was unacceptable behaviour. One, one commentator quite helpfully says that her actions are passionate but not erotic. Which is quite helpful, I think. She's just passionate here. And so she takes this very expensive perfume that would probably only be used to anoint someone's head. It wasn't to be used on the feet, just because it was it was worth so much, really. And she was, but she was just very lavish in her worship here. And I want you to see that this was worship. She falls at his feet. She acknowledges her sin. She's she's shedding her tears and she's cleansing his feet. And when she's anointing his his feet, this is an act of of worship. One of the words for worship in the Bible is just to fall down on your face. And she's worshipping Jesus publicly and passionately. She's giving all that she has. And the, the story then continues. Um, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, he said to himself, no, no, he doesn't say kind of out loud, does he? He says it kind of in his head. But, um, so God, obviously, he knows our thoughts, which is incredible. So he said, if this man was a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And Jesus asked him, Simon, I've got something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. And I think this is one of the great errors of religion, uh, in that it categorizes people into two groups, doesn't it? Either holy or unholy. And I think Simon decides here, well, I'm in the holy category, and this prostitute in Jesus they're in the category of the unholy. And you can almost hear the pride and the judgmentalism and the self-righteousness that he has in his voice. And the story continues, and Jesus then tells another little parable, which is just simply a story that illustrates the point. And he says, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have to, to correct me, Jesus said. And I, I think Jesus is kind of playing with him a little bit here. Simon, you think you're a great teacher? I'll teach you a few things. How about we start with the basics? And he does it in front of the other men as well, doesn't he? And what, what's the point? I, I think Simon thinks he's only a little bit in debt to God. Whereas this woman is very much in debt to God. And what Jesus says is, if, you're, if both your debts are cancelled, wouldn't she actually be more grateful than you? So let me, let me ask you this question. What do you think you owe God? 
See, every every month you get a bank statement, don't you? And um, it tells us what our debts are, whether it's our credit card debt, or our house debt, or our student loan debt, or our car payment debt. And every every month you might look at it and think, oh man, this doesn't look good. And what about if God sends us our um, accounts each month of our debits and credits? It's a bit scary. God said, oh, you didn't give, you didn't serve, you didn't pray, you didn't care. You're supposed to speak to that person. And the Holy Spirit convicted you and you didn't do it. You're too busy on Instagram liking your favourite little video. Um, and what about if God took an account of all your sin, past, present, future, all your thoughts, all your words, everything that you have done, everything that you've not done? What if God sent you a bill every month? What would your what would your debt be? How much would you owe? What's your debt? And that's that's Jesus' point of it. Jesus says, God has come to forgive debt. That's his whole point here. And Jesus, Jesus is the means by which that debt is paid. So Jesus is ultimately, he's going to go to the cross. He's going to substitute himself and die in our place for our sins. And see, what religion tells us to do is how we pay our debt to God. But we don't have to. How is that? Jesus is our God and he pays the debt. Jesus pays it. And every, every other religion, it tells you what you should do to pay your debt to God. So it might be you go to purgatory and suffer, or you get reincarnated and have multiple lifetimes in order to suffer and pay back to God, or you go visit Mecca, or you do these things, or you give this money, whatever it might be. But Jesus says, Simon, you may think your debts are small and her debts are large. And I don't know whether whether you might feel like this sometimes, maybe you just think, I think, I think possibly I used to think like that, if I'm totally honest, I just think, I'm just a little sinner. Can you think that? In the past, I'm just a little sinner. There's, like, there's big sinners over there, I'm just a little sinner. And um, I'm not sure it works like that. And for anything that we've done wrong, it separates us from God. And in dying in our place for our sins, he, Jesus, he proves himself to be loving, merciful, gracious, and kind. And so all our debts are paid. And those that you come, when you come to Jesus, all your debts are cancelled. We don't have to do anything else. It's incredible. The story continues. It says... Then turning towards the woman, so perhaps, Jesus, perhaps Simon's just off to one side, and uh, the woman's near Jesus, and she's still weeping. And uh, what I love is that she hasn't said a word. She hasn't said a word at this point. She's not even engaged with the religious people. But all she cares about is Jesus, and he's going to defend her honour, and he's going to give her dignity. And Jesus looks at her. He's talking to Simon, but I think he looks at her, smiling, and um, there's love in his eyes, and there's compassion and affection. One of, one of the questions that was asked after Alpha this week, that the, the ones that were there, was, um, if you had a chance to meet Jesus, how would you feel? That was one of the questions that was asked. And for me, this is the Jesus that I see when I think about who Jesus is. 
I think, I think I'd know him by his eyes. The deeply, deeply kind eyes that I saw when I looked at Jesus. The way he looked at me, the way he loved me, despite everything that I'd done wrong. And that's the Jesus that looks at you too. Sometimes we might be thinking that Jesus looks a bit more like Simon. Just like, who are you? What have you done? Just the disgust or whatever. But that's the Jesus. That's the Jesus that I see. And the reason this woman is responding so passionately is because she's loved. She's loved by Jesus. She's loved in a way that no man has ever loved her. She's had a lot of men speak about her, but not like this. And so she's loved, and so she's passionate. When you're loved, you become passionate. And this is the principle that we're talking about here, that those who are forgiven much, love much. When you know how much Jesus loves you, and you love him back, that's just the beginning, just the beginning of this generous, worshipful relationship. That's where everything changes. And he looks at her, and you can see it. I can, I can, I, I can picture that scene, and I can just see Jesus smiling. I can see the love in his eyes. You're forgiven. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? You're absolutely forgiven. He didn't tell us to do anything. He just said forgiven. That, that's it. And it's the, the same is true for you, the same is true for me. And he who's forgiven little loves little. We don't really think we've done anything wrong. We don't have that same love back for Jesus. And he says, he says to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who are at the table with him, they begin to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And I think that peace, I think that's, that's what the world's looking for, isn't it? That peace. And I think that peace only comes when you know you're forgiven. And you're not carrying around all that stuff anymore. And he says, go in peace. And that weight, that kind of burden, that kind of, uh, it's almost like you're carrying around a big rucksack on your back. It's gone. And she experiences peace as she goes. So they're asking, how in, how in the world can Jesus forgive sin? Only God can forgive sin. They're a bit like, what's he saying? And the only answer here is that Jesus is God. There's no other major world religion whose founder says these two things, I am God and I forgive sin. Nobody says that. Krishna, Muhammad, Buddha, no one. The Dalai Lama doesn't say, I'm God, I forgive sin. No one says, I'm God, I forgive sin. They all say, I'm not God, but I'm going to tell you how you can get righteousness or pay God back and pay off all your debt, get right with God. Here's a religious list. Check all the do's and don'ts. And maybe in the end, if you're lucky, God will declare you righteous and acceptable. Whereas Jesus says, I'm God, you're forgiven. Go and live a new life. And that's it. That's Jesus. It's amazing. So who's her faith in? It's in Jesus. She looks at Jesus. She's consumed with Jesus. She acknowledges her sin to Jesus. She pours herself out passionately to Jesus. And she hears from Jesus, I forgive you. That's it. 
The object of her faith is Jesus. And so her faith saves her because it's the receiving of Jesus and his forgiveness. So I just, I love this woman. I'm so glad she's in the Bible. And she, I love the fact that she had the courage just to walk into a bunch of religious people and cry and be broken and be honest and weep. And even this morning, if you just want to do that, like, just come and weep before Jesus when you see almost un how unholy you are and he just takes it all and he gives you forgiveness in the place of that. And I, th I think the other thing that I wanted to talk about just was the shame that um, once you are forgiven, that's it. It talks about it in the Bible, doesn't it? As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. And I think sometimes we kind of hold on to them a little bit. And my, my feeling was a bit this morning that, that you kind of feel like you've come to Jesus and you've got forgiven, but there's still this like nagging in the back of your head. But am I really forgiven? Have I really got a fresh start? Am I really totally forgiven? And that's what I feel like Jesus is saying today. Just imagine he's come into the room. Maybe just close your eyes for a minute. Just imagine he's coming um, up to you, walking up to you, and just look into those kind eyes. And he, and he sees you, he sees who you are, but he totally forgives you. He just says, I forgive you. And all of, that, all of that burden is gone, all of those things that we've ever said or thought or done wrong, all of those things are just gone. And you see the kindness and the compassion in his eyes. And that shame is gone. And so as we come face to face with you, Jesus, I thank you. Thank you just for your eyes of love on us. Thank you that we can just stand in front of you completely free completely forgiven. And may we just know that deep in our hearts today. And as we know how much we're forgiven, we just love you. We're prepared to pour out a year's worth of earnings at your feet, just in, in worship to you. just to imagine yourself with Jesus imagine what he's saying to you and how he feels about you and if there's anything that you want prayer for please, there's no magical space up here but it just lets us know who wants prayer and if you want prayer for anything 
any physical conditions, any emotional conditions, anything going on, please come along, come up here and we'll pray for you. We just we thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your incredible love for us. Thank you for the freedom that we have through forgiveness. Thank you that you are God. And that you provide that way to God. Nothing that we can do. Thank you.